I think words are really, really important. I think words that are spoken can actually stick with us for a long, long time, can't they? And I want us to look, therefore, at some of the words that were spoken at the cross. So often we think about this action, don't we, that Jesus died on a cross for us, and we don't quite know what it was like. But I think, what are some of the words that were spoken? If you've got a Bible, we're going to read them. Luke 23, verse 32 to 43. One of my great heroes as a preacher was a guy called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He preached through Romans. It took him, I think it was 12 years, and he never quite finished. It's now published as a set of books. Uh, He spent three weeks preaching on two words, but now, Romans 3, verse 23. I'm going to spend four weeks preaching on this one passage. Hopefully we'll look at it time and again and think, ah, let's look at some of those words. Verse 32 says this. Two others who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, I pray that we'll hear your voice this morning. I pray as we look at this passage that it won't just be the thoughts of Pete, but it'll be the voice of God speaking. Lord, we lead such busy lives, we want to stop and say, would you please speak to us now? Amen. I'm very excited about this series. I'm going to look at two words today. If you can remember nothing else, you just go away, you can remember these two words I'll ask you what they are at the end. William Barclay, a commentator who wrote on this, said, Jesus said many wonderful things, but he rarely said anything more wonderful than the words I'm going to speak on today. It says, Jesus said many wonderful things. You think about it. What are some of the wonderful things that Jesus said? He might have said, you know, actually, you can have your sight. Actually, here's food to eat. You know what I'm saying? Actually, here, you ever go, walk on the water. I mean, he said many exciting things, didn't he? But William Barclay said he never said anything more wonderful than this. Father, forgive. It says, doesn't it? And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The two words I'm going to look at this morning are Father and forgive. You see, Jesus is hanging on the cross. Despite the pictures that you might have seen, he was naked, 
He was in agony. He'd been whipped. He was suffering physically, emotionally. And yet what he says is father. I think that's really, really important. Uh, Ben and Leanne aren't here today. I doubt if they'll ever listen to this, so they won't even know that I'm going to say this. But they've chosen the name of their child. I imagine they've spent some time thinking all about it. Oh, what are we going to have? What's it mean? Why should we call it this? Ben texts me, and Leanne texts Nikki. And they've spelt it differently in both different texts. I'm not sure what this child is called. (laughs) Oh, Leanne's got it right. Of course, we're bound to that. You see, there's this thing, isn't there? Names can be really important. (laughs) What I find here is he doesn't hang in on the cross, say, Master. It's not almost like, I'm doing your will, Master. He's not hanging on the cross, even going, Lord, Boss, Supreme. He's not hanging on the cross, going, Almighty, All-Powerful. He doesn't even, in his sort of dare I say, self-pity, go, oh, my shepherd, my rock, my counsellor. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and the name he calls God is Father. You see, what this says to me is God is relational and not remote. God is relational. You see, think about this. Despite humiliation, despite this whole horrible situation, that doesn't jeopardize his relationship to God. Right throughout the Gospel of Luke, we know that Jesus has revealed God to us in the name Father. Think about it. I mean, just imagine some of the stories. As a parent, I can, you read Luke 2, and I don't know if you know this, you know, but, but Joseph and Mary, they've gone down to the temple, they've taken Jesus with them, they're traveling back in a big crowd, they just think he's hanging out with his mates, having fun, can't find him. Panic, you know what I'm saying? What do we do? Look all around, still can't find him. Oh, no, we must have left him behind. I mean, you think, what kind of parents were they? But they, they head back anyway, get to the temple, they find Jesus. What does Jesus say? Luke 2, verse 49. Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Right at the beginning, he'd understood something of God as a father. He he was expressing, I mean, this would have been radical and shocking to these folk. When he's teaching in Luke 6, verse 36, he says to them, be merciful even as your father is merciful. What he's basically teaching them is, I want to show you a new morality. I want you to love your enemies. Don't just love those that love you. Love your enemies. And what is the reason for that? Because God, your father, is merciful. It says in Luke 10, all these things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows who the son except the father, who the father is except the son, and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. What Jesus is trying to say is, this is intimacy with God as my father. This is the picture that he's painting. We all know it. I mean, nowadays maybe they don't teach it. When I went to school, you were taught the Lord's Prayer, weren't you? I mean, even if you've forgotten the end of it, you all knew how it started, don't you? Our Father, la, da, 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 Amen. But we knew it started, Father, we knew it finished, Amen. You see, Jesus was teaching them, if you want to approach the maker of heaven and earth, you come and say, Father. It goes on to teach, doesn't it? If you, the evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more the Father give the Holy Spirit to those? You see, if we want to approach God, we've got to come knowing that he's our Father. 
says in Luke 12, I'm just picking through Luke, we're looking at Luke, for the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows you need them. Don't worry, don't panic. Why is that? Because you've got a father in heaven who knows everything. And maybe the clearest picture, if I wanted to go to Luke, would be the parable of the prodigal son. You know, you, I don't know if you know the story, but here's this, this, this son that basically rejects his dad. He basically says, look, give me the inheritance now, which in that culture was saying, I wish you were dead. I just want your money. Goes and squanders it. I mean, we could spend a whole morning on it. We haven't got time. Ends up eating pig's food. Ends up thinking, oh, what a twit I am. I could go back. I could be a serpent. While he's still a long way, the father sees him, runs to him, puts his arms around him. And that's the picture that Jesus says is, is God. I mean, that's how he feels towards us. Mark Stibby's written a whole book on that, and he says this, our father in heaven is not a cold, miserable dad. He's a father who weeps with joy when his children come home. I mean, just imagine it. If you were to speak to God, what do you use? What name do you use? As many of you know, I'm, I'm a bit more interested in football than rugby, so I'm already out of my depth by going down the road of this. I know with footballers, they don't have the greatest respect for referees. But I always hear on rugby, they call them sir, don't they? Sir, and sort of back away. You know, if he says something, it's sir. There's that kind of respect. I sometimes wonder if we approach God like a rugby referee. Sir, I better get back, because if not, I'm going to be sin-binned. I better get back, because if not, I could get penalised. I'm not saying that we should approach God like a football referee. That's taking it too far. I guess I'm just trying to think, what name do you use of when you think of God? Psalm 103, verse 13. It writes, as a father shows compassion to his children, so does the Lord show compassion to that. This is not just a Luke term. It's not like, oh, Pete, you've picked up the book of Luke. You've got your head stuck in the book of Luke. I think throughout the Bible you can see that God is referred to as your father. It says in Romans, Paul is writing, doesn't he? Romans 8, verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness that we are the children of God. This is, this is truth. This is biblical truth. Just think about it. I'm not going to ask you if you prayed this morning. I mean, you come to church. You might not feel you needed to pray this morning. But the last time you prayed, how did you start? Was it Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth? Or was it Father? It can almost seem a little bit intimate, can't it? Sometimes I think the danger is we can get a little bit almost religious with God. And actually he comes and says, hey, Father. John 1, 12 and 13, all who received him, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Some of us struggle with this whole issue. I, I, could, I couldn't uh, improve upon it, so I, I love Stibby's comment. He said, the danger is so many of us struggle with the thought of God as a father because we've had difficulty with our own father relationships. He talked about fathers that are distant. He talked about fathers that died early, and so we didn't know them. He talks about fathers that divorced our mothers. He talks about fathers that were disinterested in us. 
Fathers that were diseased spent a lot of time in hospital. Fathers that deserted, that had an affair and left the family. And then it's so often what's happened is people bring that before God. But Jesus, he almost wants to say, look, even in the midst of difficulty, call him Father. Call him Father. Can you imagine that? You know what I'm saying? It's something intimate, isn't it? He's my Father. Work's not going well, but I still come to him as Father. I prayed for someone to be healed. They weren't healed, but I still call him Father. What do you call God? When you pray, what do you call him? Jesus is on the cross. He says this word, Father. Father, forgive. Father, forgive. I mean, they're just the two words that I want us to think about. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you've come here before, you know that I often, when I'm trying to read the Bible, I, I try and put myself in the person. I try and imagine the character. I just imagine. I can't, really, but I think if it was me hanging on the cross, I'd have think I'd have said different words. I, I, you know, I might have nicked, uh, is it Arnold Schwarzenegger's famous words? I'll be back. <laughs> you know, you think you've got me, but the last word is mine. It's almost like I will return and I will settle the score. I'm dying now because it's what I'm meant to do, but trust me, I won't forget. I mean, imagine what you might have said. You won't get away with this. Do you realize who I am? What might you have said if you were thinking, you know, it's almost like, hang on, this is God's son, this creator of the world. He's hanging on the cross. What do I expect him to say? But forgiveness is the key to the message of Jesus. It was spoken of in Isaiah 53 that actually he would die for the sins of others and also pray for them. It says in Isaiah 53 verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. He will divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. It's almost like whilst he was dying, it was predicted that he would forgive. Forgive who? The soldiers? Soldiers that were dividing up his clothes, casting lots. I'll have this one, you have that one. Split the one that we can't. Was it the Pharisees? Those that had, you know, sort of manipulated this situation. It looked like they'd almost, was he saying, forgive them? Was he looking at us and saying, Father, forgive them? I wonder if it was all of us. It says in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Peter was writing to the church and saying, actually, when he said, hey, forgive, well, that could be you. You could know forgiveness from God. That's what Peter was saying. Paul writes the same thing when he writes the book of Corinthians. He says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Basically, Father, forgive. Father, forgive. Mark Driscoll, when he comments on this, says, there is no eternal life but Jesus. He is incredibly inclusive. 
all languages, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all people, all sins are all welcome to have it all forgiven by Jesus who cries out, Father, forgive. And God has been answering that prayer for 2,000 years. Do you know that God's forgiven you? You know what I'm saying? Let's be honest. If you go past the speed camera and it flashes, I know some of you have smiled. I'm not the only one that's sped. You suddenly think, oh, God, please hope they don't send me a ticket. There's that guilt, isn't there? He can remove your guilt. That's what it means to be forgiven. He can forgive. This prayer uttered in the moment of fearful pain on behalf of those who are causing the pain, has rightly challenged millions not only to know what it is to be forgiven by God, but has to to forgive other people. You see, I think when Jesus was on the cross, he modeled something of what we call to God. He modeled something of how we must behave towards others. Nelson Mandela, who we all heard of, you know, years and years in prison, said this, bitterness only hurts Ourself. Bitterness only hurts oneself. Gandhi said the weak can never forgive because forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. You see, I think as Christians, we're asked to be those that are strong. We're asked to be those that forgive other people. In Ephesians, Paul writes to the church, doesn't he? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I would love to think that people would turn up at Redeemer Church and just think, what a forgiving bunch. Now that's something we'd probably have to work at if we're totally honest. Let's think about it. What is forgiveness not? Are you just telling me, Pete? No, I, I want to be very clear. Forgiveness is not saying that what was done is approved of. When Jesus found the woman that was caught in sin, sexual sin, what did he say to her? Go and leave your life of sin. I don't think he approved of what he did. I don't think forgive, if you forgive someone, it doesn't mean say you approve of their actions. If you forgive someone, I don't think it means that you have to excuse them for what has been done. You see, I think often it's asking for mercy. It's not just an excuse. I don't think you have to try and justify what they've done. We're not trying to pretend that what somebody's done to us is right. It's wrong. I don't even think we have to pardon what they've done. Because I think a pardon means that you say, right, there's no longer any consequences to it. And I think there may be consequences to people's actions. I don't even know that forgiveness always means reconciliation. Because you can forgive But reconciliation takes two people. And what if they don't want to be reconciled? I don't think that forgiveness means we deny what was done. Let's be honest, we're reading about horrendous situations of child abuse. Do we say, oh, we'll forgive, we just deny it happened? I don't think so. Forgiveness is not blindness to an action. It's not, oh, well, I just won't look, I won't bother. I'm not even sure that forgiveness is forgetting. And sometimes we put the two together, don't we? Oh, forgive and forget. But actually, if something's happened in your history, it's really hard just to forget it. I don't think forgiveness is British stiff upper lip. Doesn't matter. Keep on. Carry on. Fine. I don't think that's forgiveness. I think forgiveness is this. 
Forgiveness is being aware of what someone has done and yet still forgiving them. It's painful. R.T. Kendall writes a book on this. He says, total forgiveness is painful. Forgiveness means you choose not to keep a record of wrongs. Love is a choice. It actually means you don't want to punish the person. Vindication is God's, it's not ours. It means that actually you're merciful. God is merciful, God is just. We need to be those that show mercy. It means that you don't tell other people what they've done. I mean, God, that's, that's a challenge, isn't it? You know if you've really forgiven someone, don't you? Because you don't tweet about it. You don't put it on Facebook. Oh, I've forgiven them, but I want everyone to know what, what they've been like. I think forgiveness, true forgiveness, is being gracious. I think true forgiveness is your inner condition. It's your heart. I think it's an absence of bitterness. Not having an excessive desire for revenge. I think true forgiveness is forgiving God. Because sometimes we blame God for the wrong that's happened to us. Sometimes it's forgiving ourselves. Because actually we cannot almost, oh, why did I do it? No, true forgiveness means that we forgive ourselves. Let me just be very clear. I don't think forgiveness will impact your salvation. How do I put that? You are saved because Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. I think that's what clearly what the Bible says. If you come before him and say, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong, you are forgiven. But I think if you don't forgive, it hinders your relationship with your Father in heaven. So I don't think it stops you being a Christian, but I think it spoils your relationship with him. I don't think um, it stops you being justified, because the Bible says it's like, that's a gift from God. But I think it can impact what I might call the anointing in your life. I don't think if you don't forgive that it stops you being a member of the family. But I think it does stop you being intimate with Jesus. I don't think if you don't forgive, it means you wouldn't go to heaven. I'm not trying to preach works this morning. I'm not trying to say, forgive, forgive, forgive. You don't, you're in trouble. I think if you don't forgive, though, it often affects your eternal rewards when you get there. I sometimes wonder if Peter was so powerfully used by God at Pentecost because he knew what it was to be forgiven. Again, Jesus told the parable about being called Father. I think he also told a parable about forgiving. In Matthew 18, it's, it's the servant, isn't it? And, and they're talking about it. You know, are you a forgiving person? How often do I forgive, the disciples say? I can remember where I was sat in the Baptist church when I did this sum. You see, the disciples say, how often do I forgive? Seven? Or is it 70 times seven? I remember sitting there working out, that's 490. I thought, golly, how would I write it down till I got to 491? But it was never meant to be a number, was it? It was meant to be a heart. It was meant to be saying, come on, actually, we need to be those that forgive. I think what we find really hard, and, and the more we look at the Bible, I think the harder it gets. When I think about forgiveness, and I look at this example of what Jesus said, yeah, Father, forgive. I note that they hadn't said sorry. I note that they were still doing the action. You know what I'm saying? 
It's not like they changed their behavior. It's not like it was over. They were still killing him. And he said, Father, forgive. I think that's true radical forgiveness, isn't it? Where it's actually, it's not like we say, oh, well, it's all been put behind us. The voice on the cross is this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think Jesus on the cross, this voice that we're looking at this morning, he's still expressing that God is his Father and that we're to love our enemies. That's still his practice. I would like to bring that as the challenge to us. When we stop and look at the cross, what does it say? It should say this, God is our Father. If you're going through difficult times, he's still your Father. If you feel like you're praying, your prayers bounce off the ceiling, he's still your Father. I'd hate anyone to walk out of here this morning and think, I don't know God as my Father, because I think this is what we can learn from here. God is your Father. But I also think there's a real challenge for many of us. Will we behave like Jesus did and forgive? Will we be those that actually, even when other people are still giving us a tough time at work for being a Christian, but when they're still not speaking to us and we can't think what we've done wrong, that we forgive It's almost like forgive unconditionally. Forgive, you know, and you think, but it's going on. How do we make sure that we don't let bitterness get into our own hearts? I think the voice at the cross here that I'd like to look at is the voice of Jesus. And the voice of Jesus says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let's pray. Jesus, I've so often thought about your action at the cross. I've so often thought the fact that you would die for me. Then this morning I want to stop and think about these words. That you just declare God is your Father. I want to thank you that we can know God as our Father this morning. I want to thank you that we can come before him and think, wow, what... God in heaven, creator of heaven and earth, the Holy One, we can still call him Father. He wants intimacy. He wants to express his compassion and his love towards us. Now, Jesus, I pray that we'll be those that forgive. You have forgiven us so much. I pray that we freely forgive others. God, I pray that you make us different, that we don't try and seek revenge, get them back, save it up for another day, dream angry thoughts when we go to sleep. Ugh. I ask Jesus that we'd be forgivers as we've been forgiven. I pray right now for people that we never reconcile with, people that have even died and yet we hold a grudge against them, I pray we forgive them. I pray for people we've lost contact with years ago. And actually we look back and we can even now remember the situation, remember the hurt and the anger, I pray we forgive them. I pray even this week, the most recent hurts we've had, that we we don't have to go and confront, do you know how I felt when you said that? I pray even now that we'd be able to forgive. 
God, we don't want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers. We know love is a choice. We want to choose to forgive. We want to choose to show grace and mercy as it has been shown to us. We will be singing in just a moment. Before we do, I'd just like us to have a few moments of silence. Please don't pray out. We're not looking for you to confess your things out publicly here. But I do believe the Holy Spirit would speak to people and say, I think that's someone you need to forgive. Why don't you start right now? You're not approving of what they did. You're not denying it didn't hurt. You're choosing to forgive.